now, Culture Club with Melanie Olivero. Singapore has produced its fair share of superhero characters. There's Crimson Star, Sacred Garden Singer and uh, VR Man. So that's what we're going to zoom in on today on Culture Club. I'm Melanie Olivero for CNA 938. Welcome to you. Today's local heroes are two people you wouldn't look twice at if they pass you on the street. An elderly, grey-haired woman and her tween granddaughter. But if they are Ash and Ama, Annie, you know there are super beings who do all they can to help the vulnerable and those in danger and defeat the villains too. There is a comic book trilogy all about their origins and adventures. They form the Amazing Ash and Superhero Armor series published by Difference Engine. 11-year-old Ash Tan is a typical Singaporean youngster who wants to do better in school. But her life changes when she discovers that her dementia-stricken Ama has supernatural strengths. Ama can fly and stretch her limbs like rubber, just like Marvel superhero Mr. Fantastic. What's more, Ash has some powers of her own too. She can zip around just like DC superhero The Flash, and she's pretty strong as well. But how long can they keep their superhuman strengths a secret? How can they both put their extraordinary talents to good use? And what happens to Ama as her mind slowly wastes away? You have to buy all three, and only three, Amazing Ash and Superhero Ama comic books to find out. Meanwhile, let me speak to its creators, author Melanie Lee, who's with me in Singapore, and illustrator artist Arif Rafhan, who's in Malaysia. Welcome to CNA 938, everybody. Hi, fellow Melanie. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Hello. Hey, Arif. Okay, fabulous. Everyone is here. Uh, Melanie, let's start with the very premise of this novel, in particular its characters. The core of it, for me, is female-centric. But why choose a tween girl and an elderly lady? And why are they living in a single-parent family unit run by Grace, the mother? No men around. (laughs) Yeah, I think um, the idea started really because I wanted to write a comic book for kids featuring an elderly woman. I think that started with that uh, spark. Um, And then from there, I think, you know, of course, you know, uh, there's Ash and Ama, you know, kind of coming together. When I was thinking about, okay, the supporting characters, and of course, there's the mom somewhere there, I just felt that um, I wanted to show just how challenging I think that caregiving load of both caring for a child and caring for a parent can be. So I thought in this case, I would choose to have a single mother. I don't actually bring up the backstories why there are no men actually, uh, but uh, I just felt that it would be clearer uh, for the readers to see you know, how um, mom has her challenges, has quite a lot to deal with, with two family members that are kind of running around the neighbourhood trying to save you know, people. <laughs> Yeah, and we know sometimes that mom is the real superhero. She, of course. <laughs> she doesn't, uh, by the way, she doesn't have any superhero strengths. And if you're wondering if you've just met, uh, of course, Ash and Ama, uh, you will find out in the comic series that their superheroes skip a generation. That's why mom, Grace, doesn't have the superpowers that her mom and her daughter have. So you've got to read this, this comic book series. You've got to see what's going on. Arif, how were you approached to illustrate this trilogy or were you always in it from the beginning with Melanie? 
well uh when uh well be- before that we need we work on other project as well mm-hmm. so um in that sense we already click uh in our the way we work together so when she uh proposed the idea of this superhero uh ash and armor it was very intriguing to me first of all the setup itself is uh, like you said uh just now uh, melanie where is a is a household with no man which i'm very very familiar with because my mom was a single mother my dad passed away when i was a kid so it's a very uh relevant to me to to begin with and i understand the struggle of a single mother uh bring up the kids um uh, you know ha- handle all this stuff become a dad as well so it's a very before i even know the storyline i i w- i said yes so <laughs> it's a very easy uh, arrangement for me uh, when melini first coined the idea of this story It was a natural decision and thank you for sharing that with us, Arif. I will definitely look at this entire comic differently now uh, because of what you said. And yes, indeed, it really is a very loving family unit. Uh, they're not perfect, uh, these three yeah, ladies, exactly. but the, the core of it is love. That is also another superhero, uh, another super trait in this comic series. So Melanie and Arif, how did you conceptualize what the drawing should look like? And did Arif, did you consult with Lat, the famous Malaysian cartoonist <laughs> who also gives a shout out on the book jacket? Maybe I'll start first. Okay. So, of course, when I was telling Arif about the idea, I did give him some cultural references. So the main two ones would have been, uh, you know, Kung Fu Hustle with Stephen Chow, yeah. the landlady. Do you remember her? The colors and everything. Uh, I love, I love that character. So I, I gave him a few like mood boards, you know, of of the landlady in action. Um, and the second one, which I think he took quite a lot of illustration inspiration from initially, would be um, Sophie from House Moving Castle. It was the Miyazaki. Animation film, Ooh. so it's about a young yeah. girl who gets cursed by a witch to become an old lady. But so it's quite interesting. They feature this elderly lady, but who's actually really a young woman, and she's really sprightly and very wise. Um, and you know, even though at the end she has a chance to go back to being a young woman, she chooses to remain an elderly woman. Uh, so I, I kind of really like the strength in that character. So these two were kind of like the visual references for Arif. But Arif, maybe you want to share how you kind of played around that to create. Amazing Ash and Superhero Ma. Yeah, we uh we went back and forth uh with the the sketches, right? We um I I think uh starting from how the look and feel and the the direction of the comic was set, then we decided on the how the costume would be and their faces where when they first um you know it's like a is it impromptu kind of costumes and then they have a proper costumes and whatnot so. We have a layers of, in a in a way, the the sketches itself um are character development for these characters throughout the three books actually. If I look at it, the sketches uh, back uh, and and yeah, and also um we try to make it simple, but yet very impactful to the readers. And of course, um I told that this about this project early on before we even started, and then uh-huh. how excited I was, and he, he said, "Yeah, just do it, man." I mean, and he also can't wait to to look at the book itself. So, yeah, he, he knows about this project earlier on, but 
Sorry, yeah. I, uh, uh, and I actually met <laughs> Luck during Singapore Writers Festival last year. In I 2023. Him, yeah, I got him to sign. Um, no, I actually gave him um, the copies of Amazing Ash and Superhero Armor. And he, he actually said, uh, he really appreciated like Arif sharing that with him. And he said that we do need more of these kind stories to kind of be part of, you know, of uh, Southeast Asian literature. Yeah. It must be so yeah. nice to meet Dato a lot. I yeah. met him as well. And he's such a, such a beautiful soul. Yes. So so gentle and wow, uh, Arif, you've got a direct connection to him, so that's great. Also good to have as a mentor as well. Yeah, so yeah. You I'm lucky. <laughs> you're so lucky, yeah. And okay, so Melanie, you mentioned of course uh, Kung Fu Hustle and Howl's Moving Castle because you see, I'm a big fan of the animated TV series Rick and Morty, where. Morty is a teenager who goes on intergalactic and multiverse adventures with his eccentric mad scientist grandfather, Rick. And the Amazing Ash and Superhero Armas trilogy, the very premise is a lot more wholesome when you compare it to Rick and Morty. But the basic premise to me is the same. It's an intergenerational story of children bonding with their grandparents. So let's discuss that, the, 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 the very heart and soul of it. Yeah, I think uh, we did want to show, um, because, you know, dementia was a big, one of the big themes in the story. We really wanted to show, you know, scenarios of where even though Ama has a limiting condition, mm. she's still able to spend quality time with her granddaughter, even though, you know, she has, you know, feeling memory or she might act, you know, somewhat haphazardly sometimes, yeah. um, but they still have fun. And uh, what I really enjoy is also when I was kind of creating a story is that her friends, um, you know, uh, I think Zoe and Buddy and then the other people that join in later, they all just accept her as part of the team and it's not something like it's overt, like we are being intergenerationally harmonious. We, you know, like it was just, it's just that, you know, they're a team and they're just, you know, going out doing what they believe in and enjoying each other's company. So I, I think that was the kind of portrayal I wanted to show that even though Ama has dementia, she's still someone with agency. She's still someone that is active, even though she may be, you know, not so good in certain things, but um, she has the support. Yeah. yeah. Arif, what do you think of this? Um, yeah, I mean, the way um, Melanie uh, wrote this story is very, um, not in a sense, try to propagate or try to, um, what do you call it, to, to uh, tell people that, okay, we should uh, strengthen our relationship with the elders and whatnot. No, it's, it's is a is fluidly happened in Asian household for hundreds of years and thousands of years. I mean, this is in our in our blood, and with this kind of story, uh, we try to show that uh, it's normal for us to to have very uh, strong relationship with our grandparents. I mean, it, that's that's how it has been, and uh, and we should preserve that kind of relationship. Even with my kids, I always. Um, encourage them to have a very uh, open open communication channel with their grandparents so that they are very comfortable and you know uh, can share things that they cannot share with their parents you know think that the communication channel always open within the family so it's a safe safe place for them safe space and yeah that's the that's the core of a Asian household basically house uh, Asian family basically so you should preserve that yeah, core Asian family values we can see in this book, in this trilogy. 
Melanie, Ash is dealing with the sadness of losing Amma to full-on dementia. She's racing against time and it's so ironic. She's fast, but she's racing against time. Amma's dementia is making her Amma more confused as the trilogy goes on. But I'm just wondering why choose dementia and who did you work with to bring about more real stories and experiences? Yeah, so I think, you know, in wanting that um, elderly woman who's a superhero, uh, I was straight away, I think about, so what will her kryptonite be, right? Because every superhero has this like thorn in the flesh they have to kind of come to terms with in their journey. Um, And I think quite immediately because it's an elderly lady, I did think about dementia. Singapore's dementia rate is quite high, right? One in 10 Singaporeans above the age of 60 have dementia. So it's it's something that everyone regardless Kids especially, they will have seen people have it, whether it's their relatives uh, or people they might see outside. Uh, So it's something that I think all of us, regardless of what life stage we're in, is a condition we're familiar with. And at the same time, it's also quite portrayed quite tragically. I mean, it is, you know, a very challenging condition uh, for families to deal with. But um, I just felt like there was some, we could also bring some... um, ideas of hope, ideas of, you know, still being able to have relationship with people who may not be as cognitively alert as they used to be um, and still, you know, have meaningful life experiences. Yeah. And include them in your life as well. Yeah. Arif, let's talk about your drawing style. The noses of each character, immediately it struck me, they look different, these noses. They look like separate pieces instead of joined to the face. That's your drawing style. It makes everyone look quite distinct because everyone's nose is different. And also, there are how-to draw segments for readers so they can learn how to draw some of the characters. Why did you and the publisher Difference Engine include that how-to-draw section? Oh, uh, the how to draw section was uh, was a different engine's uh, idea. Mm. Where um, to me is very important because whenever we do um, when we promote the book, uh, even uh, physically or via Zoom uh, here in KL, me uh, so we still do these uh, how drawing classes or you know drawing activities with the with the kids, and uh, these activities is like a must be included type of activities whenever we do um, workshops or promoting books so yeah it's uh, naturally it must be included in the book as well so and yeah. furthermore the drawing is quite distinctive I would say uh, with that mushroom nose I call it <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a yeah it's a bit of a um, how do you call it um, I personalize it uh, becoming my own style which I derive from a Belgian uh, cartoon type of drawings, oh. which uh, because I I love Peyo, uh, the creator of the Smurfs, so the 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 kind not to say copy but inspired lah basically. Who who is that again? Yeah. Huh? Arif? Uh, Peyo is the creator of uh, Smurfs. Oh, the Smurfs! Yeah, the blue tiny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Smurfs. Uh, he's, a, he's a Belgian artist. Yeah. Artist. So I, I I was I I grew up like reading all his books. Mm. And his style, the the ink strokes and whatnot, is very very uh, influential. When when I started to learn how to draw and whatnot, I see. Well, yeah. um, such fascinating ways how both of you work. I'm just wondering, how did you communicate? Arif is you're in KL, is it Arif? Yeah, 
I'm based in KL. Arif is based in KL. Melanie, you're in Singapore. I'm assuming Zoom. Yeah, mostly. And WhatsApp okay. as well. And WhatsApp. WhatsApp. Yeah. I but think 80% WhatsApp. Yeah. <laughs> Just to like, yeah, ask each other questions to make sure we're in sync a lot of times. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, and usually comics sometimes it's done by, you know, one person. So when if it's split up between writer, illustrator, we really do need to be kind of on the same page. If All not, right. you know, the edits might get quite massive Correct. at the later stages. Yeah. So we did want to ensure that will be painless as possible and we also had mm-hmm. of course our different engine editors uh, Sophia and Aditi who really kind of monitored the timeline like okay Melanie must send you know so and so how many pages over for Arif to start sketching then he sends it then I have to comment so it was like this flow was kind of quite t- quite a type ship oh. yeah, with our publisher yeah, yeah. kind of very... overseeing the schedule of things and making sure that we synced at the right time. Yeah. All right. So a lot of uh, group chats on WhatsApp and also Zoom meetings as well. Arif, let's start with you. How did you plan to draw the action sequences? Uh, you did mention, of course, uh, some of your influences just now. But I also want to talk about other comics because y- you mentioned the creator of the Smurfs, the illustrator. But what about the other uh, more Western traditional comics like DC or Marvel, even Japanese manga and also, once you answer that, how has your drawing technique changed from issue one to three? Because I could see little changes here and there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there are some uh, changes from book one until book three, which, um, well, um, my my teenage years uh, was always, um, you know, uh, buying books, um, buying magazines, uh, especially from DC. I, I'm a DC fanboy, to be honest. Oh, okay. So I, I follow <laughs> lots of those DC titles. Um, Batman is my favorite. Uh, and my favorite um, artist, to be honest, the number one of all time is Jim Lee. Um, now he's a head of a DC, I think like creative CEO something there. I, I'm not sure. But when he was a uh, first, I, it took, I took notice of him when he and six other artists uh, would went out from uh, this big uh, big publishers like Marvel and DC and then they joined with Image Comic to come up with their own IPs and um, Jim Lee, Mignola, uh, McFarlane, you know, all these great uh, comic artists and they come up with their own titles. So Jim Lee came out with Wildcats which I had uh, the first issues of that magazine back in 91, 92 or something. Wow. So... Yeah, so this uh, his stroke was a major influence. Um, when I grew up drawing comics, when I make my own comics, and of course, um, Mignola is not another one, which uh, uh, he did a uh, Hellboy. Oh. So, uh, the way he uses uh, like pitch black um, contrast uh in the comics is very very masterful. So uh, I learned a lot from by reading the comic, not just reading, but uh, like really study it page by page, panel by panel to to emulate how this master's doing it, right? So I will draw back uh, and practicing myself. So that's how the Western influence um, of comics uh, when I was in the teenage years. Then I started to um, get to know Slam Dunk, uh, the Japanese uh, anime. Uh, where they have, I, I I watched the anime first, then I read the manga, which um in a way um 
artwork in his manga is is very very different from any other manga so to me he has those western values as well but he personalized it into manga and then i found out about his another uh, masterpiece work which is um uh, oh my god it's still slip on my tongue but um <laughs> he has another title <laughs> and that title was really um vagabond yeah sorry vagabond mm. is it i'm not sure i'm sorry <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> so But that title really, yeah. So many influences uh, are, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yet you come out with a drawing style that is uniquely your own. And of course, uh, for everyone who's just tuned in, Peyo, the illustrator and creator yeah. of the Smurfs, also is is a big influence on you as well. And now you're my yes. new best friend because I love Mike Mignola, Mike Mignola and his Hellboy yeah, series. Yeah, he's great, man. Yeah, he's fantastic. One day, I hope he comes here for Comic Con. But I we, will go to Singapore for that. <laughs> uh, there you see. Okay, then I will meet you because I'll be lining up behind you to meet Mike Mignola, the one and only Mike Mignola. Okay. Yeah. Melanie, let's talk about the different characters I really sympathize with Ash's mother, Grace. She's a single mom from the sandwich generation. She's so stressed out, <laughs> but she's trying her absolute best. And then her look changes in uh, from the first to the third series as she gets a promotion. Uh, she's trying to center herself. She's trying her so. He's trying so hard to be the best person she can be. But let's talk also about the other supporting characters because I like how the book looks racially diverse like Zoe, Buddy and the flat boys because if you go to KL, if you go to Singapore, if you go to any many many parts of Malaysia as well, uh, the multiracial look is just there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was very intentional because I think when we first started out we were just really excited about the idea that these were going to be Southeast Asian comics um, and we wanted to show that racial diversity and I think what we're really excited about is that uh, I think Difference Engine has a US publisher that's going to be distributing um, Amazing Ash um, yeah. in the US officially I think in the middle of this year and we're really excited to be able to showcase you know these characters in US bookshops and of course internationally in other countries as well. Uh, I think that representation is so important. Um, I, I think I've done some book events where some kids, right, when they see the flat boys, they're like, hey, the the, the chubby one looks like my dad when he's sitting on the sofa after work. Right, day. right. And so they're like very tickled because they see characters in the books uh, that they find very relatable to real life as well. Yeah. The flat boys are a group of four boys, all of them different races. Uh, the main races of Singapore. They started out as bullies, as antagonists, but they become part of the superhero Ash and Ama series too. And that's also very interesting for us to look at that because what's also obvious, Melanie, is that bad behavior, villainous motives and bullies are explained. Um, they're victims of society perhaps or victims of financial hardship also greed and sometimes they come from broken families let's discuss that yeah I think um, what I wanted to really put forth I think with these characters is to show that especially since actually you know like middle grade primary school readers they're very sophisticated with you know how they put perceive characters they see in films and books these days. You know, a bad guy, 
they don't just want someone who's really flat and 2D, you know, bad is bad. You know, the bad guy's just there to create drama. No, they want to know the backstory of the bad guy. And very often, the bad guy is deemed the bad guy because he or she makes incorrect choices, you know, in light of certain circumstances. And I kind of wanted to show that. But also, at the same time, I didn't want like, oh, suddenly, you know, hunky-dory, forgive, and then they're part of the team. I think with book two and three, I still will show some of the tensions because, you know, it's still, you know, it's still hurt. It's still their personalities clash. So it's not a perfect relationship, you know, with the team. There's always like skirmishes happening. Uh, and I think, again, it's very much like just trying to be reflective of the human condition. Yeah. Yeah. And also I found when it came to Z- uh, Zoe, mm-hmm. Zoe and Buddy, there's some Ron and Hermione sort of tween <laughs> romance going on there. Maybe, yeah, maybe not. No, I didn't get that sense. But maybe oh, really? the other readers <laughs> That's interesting. This is the first time I'm hearing about it, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I, I was assuming as they become teenagers, that was before I went to volume three, that something as they become older, something yeah. might develop between <laughs> Zoe and Buddy. But okay, so I'm the only one who said that. Uh. So far. Yeah, so far the kids are just very involved with like the the superhero powers and how that can be harnessed, you know, even when even if um Ama gets, you know, a little more immobile as you see in book three towards the yes, end. Yes. Yeah, they they actually want to see a continuation beyond book three. We haven't thought so far ahead yet, but that's interesting to hear though. Yeah. Oh, okay. Arif, uh you you mentioned that you have children. Uh, have you shown the book to them? Are, are they old enough to understand it or have you showed it to oh. other children? <laughs> they are they are the biggest fan. Oh, how old are they? <laughs> yeah. um, my eldest uh, is 16, Oh, but she's very young at heart. <laughs> and um, the middle one uh, is 13 and 8. Ah, I see. How, the have they, eight, yeah. how have they received the series from 8 to their teens? Um, they... They're really supportive. They really love the books. And whenever I, when when we started working on the book three, they were very aesthetic. And then they, because they wrote the soundtrack for the for book yeah. one, actually, back in. Oh, they sang. We'll show you the YouTube video of you soon. Yeah, yeah. Ah, <laughs> okay, okay. Thank you. Uh, they wrote the song for it uh, while Melanie wrote. Uh, I wrote the lyrics. Mel wrote, they, uh, wrote the lyrics and then they, they performed it. In, uh, wow. They perform it. And then they, they, they come up with the melodies. And I, I, yeah. And we also I'm got our produce. kids to do the readings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, for, we just put a YouTube video. Yeah. Buddy also. Yeah, uh, so my son and his this. kids all kind of work together in promoting. So they are like our little yeah. book promoters in that sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so your son, yeah, what is your... From book one to book three. From book one to book three. Yeah, so and your son yeah. then, Melanie, mm. how has he received it? Oh, he's a, he's Buddy. His nickname is Buddy. So he's literally in the book. I thought so. He I, takes ownership about that <laughs> of it. Actually, that's yeah. why I heard, I read in the back the the back notes that thank you to the real Buddy and Zoe <laughs> for this. I'm thinking, hey, who is that? Huh? <laughs> yeah, and ah. Ash is actually illustrated when Sina, his youngest kid, um, yeah, he was still he was kid. still a preschooler. Uh, he yep. Ash actually book one looks exactly like Sina at. Uh, six is it six or five years uh, old? Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He was five that time. Yeah. yeah. So he has this bowl cut so, hair. So I based uh, Ash's hair of him oh, at the time. You see, yeah. uh, these drawings and these storylines—they're so closely connected to the creators, and it becomes such a special part of you to see it being printed and read by other people. And small s- symbols like the hairstyle and the look of them, and even their personalities shines through, and they're immortalized in print. Okay, 
And then I'm asking, right? I'm wondering why, why, why are you making this a trilogy? Yeah? Why can't this go on for at least <laughs> five titles? Why cap it at three? Um, I think I just for me, <laughs> I just like the number three. When we pitched it to a different engine, it was a tri- we pitched it as a trilogy. But we are very excited to see explore opportunity to see how we can stretch this this particular world further. Because I think um, even people with dementia, so like. In my research, like I spoke to people with dementia, like I'm not, not sure if you've met Emily Ong, she's a dementia advocate. She does have dementia. She's been a big supporter of this series because she felt that it accurately kind of really portrays people with dementia. Okay. Uh, and AWA, um, an organisation that has a lot of dementia daycare centres, have been really supportive in wanting us to push this story more, to make it even more of a national narrative possible one day. Um, and so I think for us, we feel like, yes, we're done with, three books, but we will be open to seeing how we can stretch the story further if there are opportunities. Mm. Mm. And then Arif, I'm also wondering, what's the dementia situation in KL where you are? Uh, well, it's uh, pretty much in the spotlight uh, nowadays. Okay. Uh, the government here uh, started to, especially in uh, the health ministry, started to highlight uh, dementia uh, on social media and whatnot. And especially... Uh, targeting, I, I think same in Singapore. They're not just just for awareness, but also um targeting people around dementia patients to be um awareness for these people on how to take care um uh, of uh, when you have a dementia uh a person in in your family. So much more broader than just awareness about dementia itself. Yeah, both our countries are so closely intertwined and. Uh, the issues and uh, social challenges affecting our society also uh, mirrors that of what's happening in Malaysia as well. And before I let both of you go, I understand like the award-winning work-life balance book also published by Difference Engine, there is a companion website for the amazing Ash and Superhero Armor trilogy. What is that? So it's actually really a resource website because as we did all that research on dementia, spoke to dementia social workers here and really understand the dementia uh, kind of like, you know, facilities and set up in Singapore, we really felt like we can't put them all in the stories, but let's create a website. There'll be a resource for kids. Uh-huh. So it's really like more in-depth knowledge about dementia, but for for kids. So we have actually written additional comics. I worked with Arif on that. Additional comics, but they're a little more informative. Like, for example, cool places to, cool gardens, dementia-friendly gardens to hang out in in Singapore. You know, or um, giving kudos to the vintage music app that Dementia Singapore produced and showing how music is, you know, a really big part of the kind of like bonding generations can do with people with dementia. So it's kind of putting in that information still in comic form but also there are some fun like kind of drag and drop interactive areas they can play play around with to better understand the condition but again written for kids so mm. that I think it's, it's I think it's a really good resource for parents actually so my, I think yeah, it's good. yeah so Arif do you have anything to add in creating those uh, extra comics for that website it's a short comics right I think about 10 episodes yeah okay. uh, discussing different um, topics and, and also the Drag and drop activity is quite fun, you know, to how to 
Um, Designer dementia uh, friendly space. Ah uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And what's the website, ah uh, guys? I think it's superheroama.differenceengine.sg. There you go. Yeah, Thank you, know. you so much, both of you, for being with me on CNA 93 and I hope Arif one day I can meet you in the flesh when if we sure, sure. if Mike Mignola <laughs> comes here I'm going to meet up with you we're <laughs> at gonna, Comic Con at yeah. Comic Con here we go <laughs> for sure for sure and thank you Melanie as thank well thank you so much Melanie <laughs> and you've been with Melanie Lee she's an author and Malaysian illustrator artist Arif Rafhan Get copies of Amazing Ash and Superhero Armor, the comic book trilogy published by Difference Engine. They are available at all good bookstores. And for more information, just visit them at differenceengine.sg. This is Culture Club and I'm Melanie Olivero for CNA 938.